The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to open up the hollowed halls of leadership. It's time to figure out what the secrets are to being a successful leader and running a successful organization. It's time for VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Your host is Jeff Smith, an executive coach and business leader who has over two decades of forward-thinking executive leadership as a human resources and operations professional. Now, Jeff and his guest experts are ready to share their tips and studies with you. Now, here is Jeff Smith. Welcome. So happy you could be with us today. You're listening to Illuminating Leadership, and I'm your host, Jeff Smith. So glad you could be back with us today. Uh, You survived the uh, uh, debate last night. Uh, I know you're ready for some leadership tips, talk about culture, talk about uh, really positive things. That's our goal for today. Let me get you all the ways to contact us. You can reach us at 1-866-472-5788. You can also email us during the show at jeff at voltageleadership.com. Our website is www.voltageleadership.com. You can like me on Facebook at Voltage Leadership. Connect with me on LinkedIn at Jeff Smith Voltage Leadership Consulting. And follow me on Twitter at JMU Jeff. So today, I've got the great opportunity to be with Lee Hubert here in studio. I'll tell you about Lee in just a moment. But what we're going to be talking about today is culture. And does culture work for you or does it work against you? You can either manage your culture or it will manage you. So we should probably talk about that. And why is that so obvious? But no one seems to get it right. So Lee Hubert is a great friend of mine. He currently works at Voltage Leadership Consulting. He's had a distinguished career. He's a leadership coach. He's a facilitator, a keynote speaker with over 20 years of experience in management training, employee engagement, performance management, and conflict resolution. He has served in human resource leadership roles with Fortune 500 companies, including MCI, Wisconsin Energy, Morgan Stanley, Wake Forest University Hospital, and the Hospital Corporation of America. He's facilitated culture change efforts at management treat strategic planning sessions throughout the Midwest, Southeast USA. He holds an MBA in human resource management, senior HR certificates, and lives at Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia, with his wife, Jane. In his off-duty time, he plays guitar. He plays a mean guitar, and lately he's taken up singing. He loves to play some golf, and uh, you know I'm sure he'll be catching the Ryder Cup here very soon. <laughs> so, Lee, welcome. Glad to have you here. <clears throat> well, thank you, Jeffrey. Really good to be with you. So, Lee, let's jump into this. Culture, that's kind of, kind of an amorphous word. A lot of people throw that word around culture. Even on the debate last night, they were sort of talking about how we have to change the culture of the police or that we have to change the culture of the way we think in America. When you're saying culture, maybe you can tell me what you, what you think about culture, and then I'll, I'll share the, with the listeners what I think. So what's okay. your definition great, of culture? Great question, Jeff. And everybody, you know, culture is in the eye of the beholder to a degree. I think about culture as collection of shared beliefs, the the social contract, the societal norm, the way, you know, people come to understand how business gets done. 
Yeah, so I, you know, I think that's fantastic. I like the way you described it, that shared beliefs. Um, so that's something I know that will continue on throughout the show. Mm-hmm. I kind of tell it uh, to my folks, it's the way we do things around here. You know, so when you look around the walls, uh, you'll see the way people talk to each other. Do we have casual dress or is this a, a mm-hmm. culture where you have people dressed up in suits and ties? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a culture where the management speaks and the employees just listen? Or is it a culture where we all kind of are in it together and we co-create together? Mm-hmm. Additionally, you know, when you walk through a building, you can get a real sense. Uh, are they all in cubes or is mm-hmm. it open space? All these things seem part of the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it's so important and so many people talk about why do so many organizations at times ignore cultures that impact on their longer-term results? So it seems like they kind of talk about culture, but they don't do anything. And we agree that it impacts longer-term results. So, you know, why do so many people spend so little time talking about culture? That's a, that's a fascinating question, and it's a good question. And I'm glad you asked it because firms like ours, leadership development firms like ours, uh, it keeps us plenty busy trying to get help people to, to figure out the answer to that question. You're right. It, great point. When you walk through a place, there's a vibe you get. Are the people making eye contact? Are they looking down at the floor? Are they communicating? Is there any happy factor at all or is there stress in the air? So to your earlier point, I think it is somewhat obvious. You would think, and there is a saying that says, Culture trumps, be- shouldn't say trumps, I'm sorry, <laughs> culture beats strategy every time. And I think in the long term, that's absolutely true. So when you think about your culture, it, there's an economic cost for not getting this right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a you know bigger discussion on that, but it's obvious but why don't people act on it? Yeah. Yeah, be, be careful with that word Trump. You know, he, he owns I'm that so, word, I'm so it's, I'm it's worth billions of dollars. Yeah, it, was, it was completely innocent. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think from my perspective, what I see, it's um, culture is often not the crisis of the day, mm-hmm. right? You know, culture is something that we can get to some other day. Mm-hmm. You know, we can maybe think about our values and mm-hmm. we can think about our belief system another day, mm-hmm. but there's always a crisis de jour. There's something that's coming up today. So mm-hmm. it makes it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just with uh, Power School this morning, actually, uh, formerly the Interactive Achievement Company. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to tell you, I was there from a meeting uh, from about 10 to 11 this morning, and I was very impressed. What they were working on was they're being very intentional about what was their communication pattern going to be? Mm-hmm. How do they reinforce the culture that they're trying to get? What are they doing right? And then they spent some some time in the meeting actually having a conversation about what is the best parts of their culture? Mm-hmm. How do they reinforce it? What are the behaviors they're seeing? And making sure that they're spending time on that. So they took a half an hour of a business planning meeting to really talk culture. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's normal or do you think that's rare? I'm, I'm just curious from your well, perspective. Well, from, from the clients that I've interfaced with and, and some, of the, some of the ones that you're aware of, um, I'll describe it as the cultural operating system. Mm-hmm. When you come into meetings, is it wrote, is, are there unwritten rules, is it ex, are there expectations that have already been laid down? Um, a lot of times the answer is yes. And the innovative thinking and the culture that permits innovative thinking or new idea generation a lot of times goes begging. Mm. So in answer to your question, I think it's not the norm. Um, I think as people become more stressed and their time becomes more compressed and basically people are trying to do more with less, the more that goes begging. Yeah, I'd say that's similar to my experience. The ones that I think are cutting edge are staying progressive and on top of things. They take time to really work on culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that you and I both like 
this model from the change the culture, change the game. Um, it's got these four pyramid. It's a pyramid with these four slices: the results, the actions, the beliefs, and the experiences. Uh, you know, it comes from the book um, "Change the Culture, Change the Game" by mm-hmm. uh, Smith and Connors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe could you just give us a little bit of sense of you know what does this pyramid mean and these four slices of the pyramid? Smith and Con- you wrote a book with Connors. Stay tuned. There is a book coming, probably spring of 2017. But this was uh, some long lost cousin, probably. So it's a different mind. Smith. It is unfortunately a, a likely Smith. story. A likely story. <laughs> well, thank you for bringing that up. The, their work is excellent. It's called "Change the Culture, Change the Game." Roger Connors and Tom Smith, not Jeff Smith, they point to some key elements in, I think, three key elements. And you're alluding to the results pyramid. Uh, the others are beliefs and actions. So envision this with me. There's a pyramid with four slices in it. And from top to bottom, uh, the bottom slice is what an individual experiences in their culture. And by experience, I mean everything we've talked about, the vibe of the place, the experience with their boss, the reporting relationship, their their colleagues, even their their customers and the people that they're serving. Um, it's it's foundational to a productive culture. The next slice up is the belief section. What an individual believes about the organization on the basis of what they experience really drives what their thinking is. Uh, and the next slice up is the, is the next uh, logical uh, continuation in that sequence. That's the action slice. So what I believe about my organization um, drives my actions, which of course affects my, the top slice of the pyramid, which are results. Interesting. So, you know, for me, one of the things I've seen a lot, uh, I use this as a customer example, customer service example. We have a poor customer service experience in our company. And so what do we do? We go out and we say, let's get some customer service training. And so the, the problem with that is that we're looking for a new result. And so we're going to take an action. But the challenge is we never really get down to the beliefs and we don't shape a new experience. In general, what I've seen is people will go out and have this action and they'll do this customer service training. They'll bring somebody in mm-hmm. and they haven't changed anything because actually most of the time I see the, the customer service getting worse mm-hmm. because the people that think that they need the training, right? They go to the training. They're already the good ones. And so now they're worried maybe they're not doing their best work. Mm-hmm. The two or three people that really are the ones that aren't doing a great job think mm-hmm. this isn't for them. Don't particularly pay attention. Mm-hmm. And then you've got some in the middle that are just like, why are we here? Yet another day of training. I don't understand it. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. And so we haven't really gotten what I think you call below the line mm-hmm. and to this beliefs and experience. Can you maybe give me just a little more on that? Sure. Um, it's almost a function of, of leadership, the definition of leadership. If you accept the the premise that what an employee experiences drives their beliefs, that it influences their action, and hence your results, uh, you know you would think the experience of working here would be uh, felt a high priority. But a lot of times that isn't what happens. People get pressed, and there's there's the culture for me, and there's the culture for you, <laughs> and sometimes they're not the same. Right. Um, you know, we'll get into a little bit deeper dive with this in a while, but when you think about it, you know, what's it like to work here? Is it do as I say, not as I do? Is it you pretend to lead, we'll pretend to follow? Um, so there's something to that. And as, as in our time together today, as the dialogue unfolds about 
the results pyramid. It's called results pyramid for a reason. Um, there's a big distinction to be made to what you just talked about, which is kind of the command and control thing. Mm, yeah, sure. And it's the short-term orientation versus the more strategic uh, approach in the long term. Okay. Yeah, so uh, this command and control uh, I see this often. Uh, I've got several companies that when I first came in, the, the CEO was allowed to talk. Nobody else was allowed to have an opinion. And it was kind of do as I say. Um, what's the downside of that? I mean, that seems like it's fast and it could be effective, <laughs> but what's the downside? Yeah, safe and effective when used as directed, right? <laughs> um, so think about it. Put yourself in your mind's eye in a meeting you've been in and everybody in the room, when the leader or the CEO or whomever walks in, they're holding their breath. Oh, okay. It's like a scene from a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Are they afraid to talk? Mm-hmm. Um, have they been trained professionally by leadership unintentionally to, to you know pipe down because they've seen what happens to people who speak up? And there's a, absolutely an opportunity cost there because those people have ideas and they are people that are going to make the, the future of your company. But if they are clamped down on because of the uh, culture, quote unquote, um, you're really paying a price. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely, I have some leaders that are, are full of command and control. Um, and there are places that command and control is fantastic. As an example, if I show up to the emergency room, you know, I don't really want folks standing around and asking a bunch of questions. So please hear us when we say about culture, command and control can be healthy. Um, however, at the end of the week, there should also be a chance where we can co-create as well. And that it's command and control and how to engage our whole workforce. Mm-hmm. And so it's just important to know what's important in your culture. Mm-hmm. And do you maybe have the time somewhere else in the week to hear from your employees? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Command and control, absolutely, to reinforce your point. At times, it's very appropriate, mm-hmm. and it's it's necessary, and it's it's good. It's less effective when it becomes something of a cultural operating system that does the things I'm alluding to, that sure. scuttles the honest intellectual interaction. Yeah, so um, I think what you're getting to is that we probably want it uh, in certain doses, um, but we really want to maybe be intentional. And so I think as we go into the next segment here in just a moment, um, we should probably pick up on uh, what are the beliefs and how do we go about really making sure that we're intentional about the behaviors that we're looking for in the culture mm-hmm. or the beliefs. Um, what I would take from this, maybe this first segment is there is a results pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, just doing a few actions won't necessarily lead to a new set of results. Instead, we're going to have to get below the line here and deal with beliefs and experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, when we come back from break, we're gonna, it's time to catch up here on a break. When we come back in two minutes, we'll be picking up with the model as well as going to things like beliefs and shared experiences. So we'll see you in two minutes. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. 
Tired of wasting time and spending marketing money with little results? Are you looking for more leads, clients, and revenue in your business with predictable results? Tune in to Mojo My Business with the team behind Mojo Global, Ira Rosen, and Corey Michael Sanchez. Our program will showcase proven expert solutions that have helped countless businesses outsell the competition and gain massive market share. Mojo My Business can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1 866 472 5788. Again, that's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now, back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. I'm glad you're with us today. We've got Lee Hubert from Voltage Leadership with us today. Before the break, we were discussing change the culture, change the game, and where the command and control management style fits in the results pyramid. So one of the uh, biggest challenges I see, Lee, uh, with our clients is around the breakdown of leadership communication, including command and control. Mm-hmm. How might that breakdown impact results in the longer term? Well, I can tell you, you know, the breakdown of that leadership communication is one of the biggest challenges we see, um, and including command and control. And people who fail to understand this, uh, unfortunately, that's where most of their cultural efforts fail, whether it's a new initiative or just trying to get their team to perform at peak capacity to perform uh, as a performance team. Um, you have to understand a couple of things and follow me here on this. Uh, remember, envision the pyramid, we're below the line that uh, Connors and Smith talks about, we're at the experience and belief step. Um, and ideally, it's not, a, it's not a monologue when it comes to leadership. Earlier in the first segment, Jeff, you had mentioned about the, the style of top-down and does it always come one direction? And it can, and it does all the time. Um, but especially for the longer term interest or strategic goals and really accomplishing things, that's the key point. And it's almost a definition of leadership. There's some management people that perpetually miss this point, and it's the key point. At the bottom of the two slices uh, of the pyramid by uh, applying only command and control and trying to foster the quote unquote correct employee beliefs, meaning that they miss the point about how they experience leadership, right? So if you say something to me like this, you need to change your thinking. Mm. You're not coming to work with your best ideas every day. And I'm thinking, really, how would you know? Mm. You've never pulled me aside to ask me what my ideas are. And all of a sudden out of the ether, this uh, top-down kind of unusual communication monologue comes and I'm being told I need to change my thinking. Have you asked me ever before why I'm thinking what I'm thinking? Um, so there's something to that and um, it's a little bit silly to expect people to just all of a sudden change or else, right? You better do this or else. Loosely translated, that means the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea of the culture I don't want to be working in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, one of the companies that actually is an organization, it's a not-for-profit uh, organization, and what I really appreciated about them was they understood that they need to get a different set of results 
And uh, there's something called the anti-culture that I want you to expound on in just a moment. But what I would say was there was definitely this feeling of uh, everyone else uh, in the world has it easier than them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's just hard. Well, you've never worked here. And if you, you know, if you worked here, you'd be no, understand just how hard this is, mm-hmm. you know, and the whole culture was sort of in the blame game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, in some other work, talked about the dreaded drama triangle where there's a victim, a persecutor, and a rescuer. Mm-hmm. Well, we had that fully going on in that culture. And so that culture really was not about taking accountability. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about creative uh, solutions. It was really just kind of keeping your heads down and trying to duck and maybe keep a job and stay there for 25, 30 years. To me, that sounded a little bit like a prison sentence and a, yeah. j- a jail term, but <laughs> but people would stay because yeah. of drawing a pension or a check or whatever. Yeah. You know, can you maybe you know continue that explanation of yeah. anti culture? I'm I'm really jazzed about coming to work here today because my uh, my prison guard and my parole officer say I'm doing a good job. Right? There's something to that. As Connors and Smith point out, the other Smith, not Jeff Smith, they point out that it only takes three or four shared cultural experiences to form what they term a new cultural norm. And you just verbalized it beautifully. Um, You know, you set a a cultural standard and people plug into that cultural standard. You mentioned the word anti-culture. And anti-culture is caused by a breakdown of leadership communication. Anti-culture is what you think it is, and it sounds like this. You ask somebody on Monday morning, how you doing? And this is what you hear. Well, I'm here, right? <laughs> or it's Monday. How you doing? Well, it's almost Friday. <laughs> Can't wait to get out of here, right? It's hump day Wednesday. It's hump day Wednesday. Or the sarcasm off now. I'm living the dream. <laughs> and I see heads nodding out there in the radio audience going, okay, I've done that. So you, you're, you know who you are. Um, but anti-culture is one of those things that reinforces that cultural belief that leadership has failed to own. So to my earlier point, if it's one direction, I'll come to you and say, you better change your beliefs. It's like, look, leader, I'm living in your culture. You're setting the tone. It's almost like right out of the movie, The Titans, right? When the two linebackers are kind of going at it. And one guy says to the other linebacker, your attitude is terrible. He goes, that's interesting. Attitude reflects leadership, doesn't it? Yeah. That's one I actually often use, actually. So uh, CYA. So this is not uh, cover your, you know what. This is uh, this is choose your attitude. So, so maybe we can start um, uh, moving into the direction. When you said one direction, you know, I've got teenage daughters, so I thought maybe you were, you were talking uh, about the band there. But I think what we're trying to get to is, you know, what's the antidote to anti-culture, right? So how do we maybe move to um, – the shared culture and some ideas, you know. So for me, maybe I'll go first on this one and, and give you a chance to collect sure, your thoughts. You're good. Okay. So it's to me about this thing called shared experiences. What we're looking for is we have to understand the belief system that exists in our culture first. So I'll be with a with a group next uh, Tuesday actually, and we're really trying to get our arms around the culture. They've grown very quickly. They've added. Uh, people to the executive team. So what you're really getting is these mix and match of cultures. And so we are okay with saying, great, we love your talent, but there's not this shared experience of mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I had a culture from this previous company, This I work in this office, and they've got multiple offices. Mm-hmm. And so you go to these different offices and there's not like one shared culture. So some of the belief is one department's better than the other, another department's better than this. Mm-hmm. You know? So 
we're going to work on, let's get to our core beliefs. Let's all agree, first off, what the beliefs are. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to try to create some experiences to reinforce those beliefs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, as you think about shared experiences, you know, what are some of the best practices and what do you think about shared experiences? Well, to your point, it's absolutely a function of leadership. It's like any athletic team, like a football team. You can have great free agents that cost a ton of money. They don't perform as a team. They don't have a shared culture then they're not going to win. They're not going to perform at their peak, which is what we're, all, what we're talking about here. Um, it's very interesting. Shared culture is the opposite of silos. Mm. You hear the people talking about we're, we're not aligned with our mission and vision. And, and by the way, that's a leadership responsibility. And we'll drill underneath that, I think, a little bit later and, and talk about who owns that and the reasons why. But when you think about it, you know, who, who sets the agenda? Who sets the pace? And it is absolutely a function of leadership. So if you understand the answers to some of these questions, right, if you were to be a fly on the wall okay. and catch somebody in their hallway meeting on the way to the dining hall or a bubbler, or a bubbler, that's a Midwest thing, water fountain. Well, so uh, uh, listener alert, this might be a time to take a couple notes. Sounds like Lee is getting ready to give us some really brilliant uh, <laughs> uh, questions. So if you're, if you're listening out there, this might be a good time to, to jot a note or two down with some of these questions coming up. So go for it, Lee. Excellent. Please do jot them down. First question is, especially if you have somebody new, and let's say a new hire walks into your culture, and somebody asks them, or they ask the question, what's it really like to work here? Yeah, I know I've been through the HR orientation, and I've met people in the round robin, but what's it really like, Mm -hmm. and what do they hear? The answer to that question is a big one. Yeah. Um, Same way with your reporting relationship. In other words, what's it like to report to you? What's the word on the street? And you'll hear in different companies that we work with in different verticals, healthcare, laboratory, finance, technology, all these different companies and verticals we work in. uh, The word on the street is, at times, you don't want to work for this person or on that unit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is what we're talking about. What's it like to report to uh, your boss? Who do you report to managing up? Um, and what's it like to work inside the walls of this organization? So the honest answer to these questions could have a, a great strategic impact on your longer-term results. As we said, culture uh, can beat strategy every time. You spend time with them, get the answers to these questions, they will spend time for you. Yeah, so um, what I like about this is that you're really trying to get down into Understand what the employees are actually thinking. Um, what are they? What a novel idea that I is. Know. <laughs> I know that's crazy. Come on now. Why would you do that? Yeah, exactly. Um, for me, uh, I go back to this formula: Why do people join companies and why do people leave companies? And it's the exact opposite. So people join often f- because of the company's reputation. Mm-hmm. They join for the um, job. And ultimately, the manager. You know, when I ran big call centers at Capital One. You often didn't even get to meet your manager. Mm-hmm. You know, you went through training for 30 to 40 days, mm-hmm. and then we assigned you to a shift and your manager. Mm-hmm. What's funny is you leave in the exact opposite direction, mm-hmm. right? You leave because of the manager, then the job, but rarely is it really the company. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, one of the important things here that you were asking questions about is that the manager is really the keeper of the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Those questions that we're asking, you should be thinking about as a leader, what would people say about me? How well do I reinforce the culture around here? How well do I shape experiences that people can see that they're valued, Mm -hmm. that their opinion matters, Mm -hmm. and that they're able to do their best work? Is the belief that my manager doesn't really care about me, Mm -hmm. or is the belief that 
hey, no, I've got a really great manager, and I, we may not see eye to eye on everything, but they're there and they have the back for me. Right? Interesting. I would add one more point to that Please. because you're you're all over. That's absolutely right. Um, and is the boss, manager, whatever the title, are they interested in hearing it? <laughs> have they been trained by their culture not to not to do that? Their culture may be completely command and control, top down, and it's been that way for years. And now you're talking a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when people have something to verbalize, they've got an idea or even a complaint, if you want to call it that, something is causing some energy in their world and they want to bring it forward. One of the biggest things that we see, and I've seen in my HR practice over the years, is that people are reluctant to bring up problems. So you are absolutely paying a price. So if you keep bringing it up out of frustration or out of whatever your motivation is, do that long enough and you may get labeled inside this anti-culture as an, an, an issue, an obstacle. Mm-hmm. And do it long enough, and it might be an obstacle that needs to be removed. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, well, we don't want that. So <clears throat> what I would take from this part of our conversation is there is an anti-culture. And what we're trying to do as leaders is to identify what are the beliefs that we believe in here, mm-hmm. shaping some experiences so that we can really have it live the beliefs that we're hoping for. Mm-hmm. So the goal is... Let's identify the core beliefs, Mm -hmm. maybe listen to what the culture is saying, Mm -hmm. and then say, how do we want to recraft our beliefs? Now we're going to shape some experiences Mm -hmm. to allow those beliefs to come forward. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that should lead to better actions and better results. Mm -hmm. Make sense? It does. And I would, uh, well, I guess in the next segment we're talking about, I want to add some more points. I think at the team level, there's a lot of stuff there. Great. So it's about time for another break. Uh, When we come back from this two-minute break, we're going to get really down into the the nitty-gritty, give you some tools, practical tips, just like those questions Lee just gave. But we'll really get down to some practical tips for you to apply. So stay tuned, and we'll see you in two minutes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now, back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. I'm here with uh, Lee Huber today from Voltage Leadership Consulting. And Lee and I have been discussing uh, culture, the, the challenges of culture, how can we make our culture stronger. We're going to now start to drill down into some practical tips and tools. Um, I think Lee wants to pick up a little bit on um, this idea of the, the team, maybe mission and vision and values, and, and why is that important? So let's maybe Lee, jump in from the team level first. Okay, sounds great. You remember um, before the, the break, we were talking about the results pyramided in the four slices, the bottom two experiences, foundational, then beliefs, leading to actions, driving results. And sometimes what people experience when they bring something up out of frustration or out of brilliance, out of a good idea, um, doesn't get heard. And that's the number one reason people say in exit interviews when they leave, mm. I didn't feel like I had a voice. And there's great things that I bring, and you're not listening to me. So they get treated as an obstacle, and ultimately the culture, the anti-culture, removes them. Um, the opposite approach, and to your point about being practical now, is shared culture, and that's getting over into the whole person, which you're going to absolutely engage somebody and have an engaged staff. And I think it happens a lot of times at the team level. Um, what is your team's vision? Mm. You know your organization's mission and vision. I mean, I've been in organizations where you know we're in executive sessions or management sessions, and I say, who can tell me their company's mission statement? And they have to look at their badge or whatever. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing. It's like a stop sign. It's, you know it's there. Yeah. But it's invisible after a while. Sure. So we drill on you as the leader. You are absolutely translating, standing in the gap between the next levels up. You are influencing your team's world. And you are absolutely paramount, pointing to them the future state. So what's your vision for the team? And what are the values that drive your team? What do we believe about ourselves? Great. So I'll, I'll, I'll answer this question first, but I want you to think about this answer as well. Um, when are leaders at their best? And so for me, I, I think you just hit on it. It's when you are a great translator. Mm-hmm. You're a navigator of the culture. Mm-hmm. You can take the vision, the mission, vision, values of the organization. Mm-hmm. What are those big goals? Mm-hmm. And you can translate it so that your team can actually fulfill and so to me, it's that ability to be a translator, to set some clear expectations, to be able to have people, have your folks that work for you believe mm-hmm. that they can be in a conversation with you, they can trust you, that you're authentic, mm-hmm. that you're sincere, your head and your heart match. Mm. It can be easy in, in a lot of organizations to maybe say what's right for me, the leader, but mm-hmm. maybe it's not what right for the team. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd also say... Um, you know, we'll get into this a little bit in the section about tips, but it's scheduling some time for development, for planning, some fun, some feedback, things like that. But if I only had to say one thing, the, the best leaders I see supporting the cultures are authentic. That would be the word I'd use. How about uh, for you? Authentic. Wow. You said head and heart, too. I think the best leaders that I've seen in the people that have grown into leadership roles, sometimes are thrust into it, are the ones that understand their own default position. Mm. 
They have their own EQ. They understand what that means. Not everybody's wired the same way. And as you know, when we get into various tools and assessments, we use DISC and a bunch of other things, not everybody is the same. For example, I'm working with a CFO who's brilliant. Um, the way this individual is, their default position is wired, is not all expository. So people have a different experience from somebody who is really verbose or really driven or all that discussion. Right? Sure. So the, but to your point, authenticity, I'll use the word integrity. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to create engagement and ownership in your team, it comes from leaders who consistently create excellent culture for their team with integrity, meaning it's transparent. I believe you have my back. I believe that you don't have an agenda. I believe that you are sincerely interested in my development. And also, to your point, some of the tools we'll get into, like behind the one-on-one closed door, um, it's not all monologue. It's a dialogue. And truly, sincerely, I'm interested in you and your world. How can I grow you and make you better? Well, wait a second, Bill. You mean I should ask personal questions and care about that human being sent across from me? I mean, come on now. That, <laughs> that seems a little far-fetched and crazy for me, Lee. You know, I, we certainly have clients that are that way. They're like, I shouldn't find out anything about them. And now, right. you're, now you're asking me probing their personal lives. Is that what you're saying? I'm not necessarily talking about personal lives, but think of it this way. It's your little work family, right? You know things about each other. You spend the waking, the lion's share of your waking hours together. Sometimes uh, people in, in firms we work with have spent more with their work teams than they have with their own families over the years. Yeah, sure. So you know things about each other, mm-hmm. and there's something to that. It, co- it creates what Connors and Smith are calling shared culture yeah. based on uh, uh, cultural experiences in common. So there's something to that. I think of it this way, Jeff. When you think about a, a, a wheel with spokes in it, huh? the outside dimension of the wheel is the organization. And it runs efficiently and smoothly when the hub, the leaders of the organization, run their teams. And each spoke of the wheel is a team. So follow me here. If the spokes on the wheel get too slack or get too tight, they break or they go slack, the wheel starts to go clunk, 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 and the organization starts to head south. So I can't influence necessarily as the leader beyond my span of influence. But I tell you what. I can create the best team possible. I can create the best spoke possible. And other people will look at my team and go, wow, what are they doing? What is that leader doing? I want to be on that team. And you create your own message and people get that message. And you know what? People like to be part of that. It's, there's something, there's a, a winning aspect to that. It's undeniable. Fantastic. So it's not so much getting into the personal lives, but it's caring about the person and trying to create the experience that brings out the best in each person. So all the way back to our first show, you know, understand if you've got a driver, an influencer, a supporter, a calculator, and how would they like to be recognized? How would they like to be rewarded, et cetera? So maybe open up that, uh, that door for me just a bit. What's, um, you know, this one-on-one, you know, I know what a one-on-one sure, is. Sure. Uh, you know, certainly you and I have had one-on-ones together sure. and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, what are some maybe best practices? Because that seems like that's a different experience that might create change a different belief system. So uh, open those doors of that one-on-one for me. Absolutely, and you're all over it. Um, if you still got your pencils out from before, here's some more. So think of it this way. When was the last time you had uninterrupted time with your boss? <laughs> you mean this day of like uh, text and Hello. messages and emails and, yeah. and knock, knock, knock. You Evelyn says you're tethered 72 hours a week to your electronic device. Uh, it just goes with the territory. Or if you've ever had the experience when you walk into somebody's airspace and you've got somebody's uh, 
attention or you don't. And what you have to say is important, but you're not being heard. Remember, I alluded to earlier, one of the primary things the HR people here for leaving the company is they didn't feel like they had a voice. Mm, they, weren't, they weren't heard. So behind the closed door, here's the one-on-one protocol. First of all, I want to find out what's going on with you, satisfiers and dissatisfiers. What's your current state? Are you okay? Is there anything in your world that needs attention that for whatever reason, it hasn't been paid attention to? Now's your time. Now there's a real caveat here where some people in the anti-culture will get behind that boss's door and they refuse to participate. They Mm. roll their eyes and go, yeah, this is an exercise. I'm sorry for them. Because instead of telling the one or two people that it can actually help their world, um, they run around behind the scenes in the anti-culture spreading their rays of sunshine (laughs) to everybody who wants to listen to their tale of woe. So what's going on in your world? What's your current state? Then understand it's a trust bridge that's being built here. The more I do this and consistently, I'd say minimum once a month, maybe more frequently depending on what happens. Uh, But things I want to know is, are your workflows okay? Do you have the tools necessary to do your job? Um, Is there anything recent? Is there anything uh, that I need to be aware of without drilling on your family life too much? But circumstances, life life happens, right? So then I want to get to things like, okay, feedback from me to you. And then also feedback from, get this, you to me. Mm-hmm. Me as the leader, is there a blind spot that I have to something that you think I'm not seeing? And I'll tell you, if that trust bridge is there, you're going you're gonna to verbalize it. If the trust bridge is not there, I'm going to smile at you. I'm going to nod my head. And I'm going to say everything's great. Right. <laughs> so I, I think for my, for my end, some of the one-on-ones I've seen best practices, um, I think you're catching a lot of it. One of the questions that I ask often is, what's our desired outcome together? Yes. So that it's a shared outcome. Mm -hmm. So me as a leader uh, in that one-on-one, I may have some business things I want to make sure we get to, Mm -hmm. but I have no idea, Lee, what your days look like. Mm -hmm. And you may have just, you know, been working on a proposal or just had a client issue or something's happened with Jane. Mm -hmm. And you need to clear your head first. Mm -hmm. And so start with the desired outcome so you can even know what the other person wants to get accomplished. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you only do the employee's agenda. Mm -hmm. You have desired outcomes too as a leader. Mm -hmm. So it's a shared uh, experience just like the culture, right? Mm -hmm. Awesome. So so we co-create the agenda together. Then to your point, I think we go through, we make sure that where's uh, the tools, you have the tools to do your job, you know, making sure that there's understanding. There should be recognition, right? So <laughs> saying, hey, thanks for a job. Well done. I know what that took and wow, way to go. And I really appreciate you putting your head down, contacting the right people, working hard to get this done. That's fantastic. Wow. You said a mouthful there. One of the things that I see in my HR practice and with um, you know, our leadership development uh, practice is a lot of times people feel they don't feel their leadership understands what they actually do mm-hmm. day in and day out. At times, they quote only here when something goes wrong and then they get taken to the woodshed. <laughs> and then in the woodshed, as they're, you know, getting their, their switching, they are, their mind wanders to something else because in the back of their mind, the person's, and I see the heads nodding here again, okay? They're thinking in the back of their head, you have no clue 
what's going on here, what I do day in and day out, and really the things that are going well. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that's that trust bridge, right? You also mentioned thing about something about development, and I'll add performance management. By the time if you do this well, this practical tool, you know, you won't get to the end of the year or mid-year or whatever your time frame is. You'll know, you'll know what's going on. Yeah, good. I, I think you said an important word in there as well, development. And so this isn't just a transactional, what's happening in the last two weeks, what's happened in the last two hours. Mm-hmm. This should be a conversation about how am I doing in my own performance, Yeah, right? Um, also feedback to the manager. So uh, one of the questions I like to write down um, and ask uh, all the time, so this is again one maybe to write down, is as the leader, I ask the employee, what's one to two things if I could do better mm-hmm. or that would make your life easier, what would those be? Mm-hmm. I, tr- I also try to ask, what are one or two things that I'm doing that make your life better mm-hmm. so that I replicate it and I continue to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to have those kind of questions and be able to really connect with that employee, I think is a fantastic start. Yeah, and you're all over it. I would add one question to yours, uh, and, and it's great. I mean, first of all, if your boss starts saying these things to you, they're going to they're gonna be going, wow, this is great. I would ask, what are the one or two or three things that are distracting you that I can help with to take you back on focus? Wow. So I think the thing that might uh, get us for, for the moment here is it's time for another break. Very good. So when we come back, we're going to pick back up with this conversation around some practical tips and tools to wrap up the show. Uh, so we'll be back in uh, two minutes. So see you on the other side. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. 
Now back to VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. This is VoltCast Illuminating Leadership, and this is our last segment for today with Lee Hubert. We've been talking about culture, and it's been a, a lovely conversation kind of all over the place about the good cultures, the challenging cultures. And so we're going to wrap up today with a conversation about maybe the best cultures we've seen and then some practical tips to walk out the door with, Lee. So when you think about maybe the best culture that you've ever seen, what was the culture? We don't necessarily have to know the place as much as it is. Mm -hmm, I understand. What was it about that culture that made it so strong so the folks out in the audience can replicate it? It's much easier to take a good culture and replicate it than go in and fix a bad culture. So tell tell us about good culture. That is a fabulous point we just said. Uh, I'd rather just have a good culture instead of having to go retrofit something. Best cultures that I've seen are the ones where, first of all, it starts with the leader. They are the hub of the wheel, you know, driving. The, the, that's the, 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 the spoke. Uh, the spoke. The team is a spoke. The leader is the hub. And those leaders who are comfortable in their own skin and know their default position. Then once that happens, they're willing to do what's necessary to understand their team. That right there, if you take the time because everybody's busy, and it is about the time you allocate. A lot of times, the, the cultures that I don't see functioning well are partly structural, and they simply haven't gotten a, just a, that strategic quadrant to take the time to make their team excellent. So I would, I would have this challenge for those folks. I would say, suspend the conventional, wave your magic wand, ready, you're going to go to your future state. What does your future state culture which is absolutely the best it can possibly be, look like, feel like, sound like. Um, and what's your role in creating that? Now I want you to think about the steps necessary, baby steps if necessary, work backwards to do that. Um, the best cultures are the ones that communicate and the best cultures are the ones that trust each other. And to our earlier point, I mean, it's based on the experiences of the results pyramid. If I experience that you have my back and I see the integrity and Uh, You used a different word to describe it. Um, But if I experience that, then my beliefs are completely different than you do this or else. uh, And that goes back to old command and control. Good. Thank you, Lee. So I am thinking about... um, Interactive achievements. Mm-hmm. Um, they, um, I've been working with uh, John Hagmeyer over the past week or so. We're working on writing a book about the experience. Uh, they've been since acquired since Power School, but this is, goes back a couple of years ago, and they were had something called Hug. So it's really about being honorable, unselfish, and generous. It wasn't so, a group hug. Is that what? No, talking? no, no. Um, we did hug occasionally there, but honorable, unselfish, and generous. And here's what I would say is that they shaped experiences that reinforce that. Mm. So it's one thing to put that on the wall. It's one thing to say that. Mm-hmm. But they were going to do things like um, get backpacks for underprivileged students. So mm-hmm. a lot of this company were former teachers, mm-hmm. and uh, but now they're running a business. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't good enough just to say it. They did a ton of community work. They had time on their calendar to actually go out into the community and support the uh, you know underprivileged or the the kids that need a little help. They have a coding camp where they teach kids to be able to learn how to code to give them a leg up. And so these are all experiences mm-hmm. that shape the belief system that hey you know what it's not just good enough to say these things. We believe we have to do it. If we say that we're in this for the kids, we have to live that we believe that I mean live that we're in it for the kids. So shaping experiences. Mm. My final thought on that too was. They want to be able to have fun. They want to do a lot of really good things. Um, and so 
they want to make sure that there was ability to hear each other do things. So one of my favorite times is they have an atrium and we go over every March and they have a March Madness and they give away prizes, generous prizes. Mm. But there's also this camaraderie and this mm-hmm. ability to be together and to laugh and have just this thing called fun. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm it's sure not an acronym there. Yeah. Uh. And so it really creates a belief system that they matter, that their voice matters. It makes it a whole lot easier for them to be able to really connect with their customers as well, because they felt that they are believed in and that they're supported. That's really awesome. And I'll, I'll add on to that from the point of view that the leader drive in the team. And again, it's at the team level. This is so important. You know, what is the team's vision? I know what the organization's vision is to be this or that or the other thing. But what, what is our pro rata, you know, where the rubber meets the road, daily contribution to that? In other words, is the leader leading and are they setting the pace for that? Second big thing about that is are the team's values. And, mm-hmm. you know, in HCA, we've done this at Wisconsin Energy. We've done this in other places, other places in verticals, healthcare, finance, where we ask people, what are the things that you your team believes about itself? Meaning that is it safe to speak up? Um, is it okay to be supportive and to understand people so we understand uh, the, the rationale for behavior sometimes? So um, when we look at uh, uh, accountability and uh, things of that nature, and it's, a two, it's a two-way street. Um, yeah, so let me, let me do this. Uh, we're, we're coming up here towards the end. You know, I, I think you've given us just brilliant stuff about culture. I really appreciate you being here today. Well, thank you. Yeah, so, you know, maybe just a couple, you know, practical tips. You know, so this, again, take out the pen, write down a couple <laughs> of the, the things here. You know, from today, you know, so I, I heard about the, um, you know, the, the effective one-on-one that I really liked. Mm-hmm. But what else do you, would you say, are the, the key takeaways from change the culture, change the game, your experience with working with culture, et cetera? Well, I'll tell you, the one of the things that we really want to talk about is to provide shared experiences. Um, you know, we all have a culture. Uh, you either going to, it's going to manage you or, or you're going to manage it. The leader communication is really the cause of a, a breakdown of that communication is really the problem uh, with leadership and cultural failures. It really is all about the shared experiences. Um, if you've got somebody who's not performing, you manage them up. Or you give them the opportunity to work elsewhere, and at times that's very appropriate. And then don't forget about recognition. I mean, I mean, we I, we talked earlier about, you know, we hear about things going wrong. Um, tell me about when things are going right, and understand my world, know what I do. And then the, probably the biggest thing is you spend some time with them. They will spend some time for you. Wow, that's fantastic, Lee. It's been fantastic having you here today. And uh, my pleasure, great to be here. I know you're going to come back here in uh, October and um, be able to have another conversation with us. So I'm looking forward to that. Me too. A couple of takeaways from my perspective is the value of the one-on-one that really shapes the experiences. Also, that team environment. You know, really have a great team meeting. Be able to have shared mission and vision at the team level. Be a translator. Make sure that you're also doing. Recognition, just like you said, but it's also recognition of peers. Recognize your manager. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's all about how do you shape your culture. Mm-hmm. By doing those things, you start to have this belief system that everyone's opinion matters around here. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're not talking Pollyannish. You also have to share tough feedback. Mm-hmm. But do that with the intent of saying, I'm trying to make you better so that we can have better performance as an organization. Mm-hmm. So it's not all just roses and sunshine and unicorns, yeah. right? Yeah. No, not at all. It, it, the real world is nothing like that. I would have a question for the people still writing things down. Are you too busy to do this? Right. And if so, why? 
Yeah, why are you too busy? You know, and so that is a great lead-in to next week. So next week, Scott Evelyn, who's the author of a book called Overworked and Overwhelmed, mm-hmm. that describes many of us. And we're going to talk about the mindfulness alternative and how can we create a life GPS? And how do we go about being able to really find the time to do the important things, not only in the work setting, but also in the rest of our life? Life is way too short to go through this thing. Like you talked about, oh gosh, it's Monday, I'm back at work, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, hump Wednesday, mm-hmm. and oh gosh, it's a fantastic Friday, yeah. I'm living the dream. <laughs> That's too short. So Scott Evelyn will be here next week. Scott is the author of uh, at least two books, uh, uh, is an executive, works with coaches. He will be here to help give us some solutions to this overworked and overwhelmed thing that we talked about, and when we live into that 72 hours of staying connected all the time. So I hope you've been able to find a few tips this week about culture, and next week we'll give you some tips about how you can be at your best self. So again, thanks for being here with us. You can reach us at area code 540-798-1963. You can also email me at jeff at voltageleadership.com. Our website is www.voltageleadership.com. You can like me on Facebook at Voltage Leadership. You can like Lee there as well. You can connect with me at LinkedIn at Jeff Smith Voltage Leadership Consulting. Follow me on Twitter at JMU Jeff. And you've been listening to Illuminating Leadership. Thank you and so happy you could join us today. I look forward to talking to you next week again at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we will have Scott Eblen here to talk to you about overworked and overwhelmed. In the meantime, have a fantastic week. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to VoltCast, Illuminating Leadership. Please join your host, Jeff Smith, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll discuss another engaging topic next week.